1: Good afternoon, everyone. Well, what a beautiful day. We had a great weekend as well. I hope you were able to enjoy it. I know Sunday I headed out with the jacket on like a lot of people, and wow, you had to peel that off pretty quickly. It was a pretty warm day. So enjoy it while you can. VOCM's Brian Midor indicates uh, it's not going to hold on. So if you're able to get out at all today, uh, please do so. Well, uh, on other matters, of course, the cost of living has skyrocketed in recent months as inflation rates hit the highest levels in three decades, the Bank of Canada is expected to raise its benchmark interest rate by a half a percentage point this week, with more interest rate increases expected in an attempt to cool the overheated economy. This hour, the provincial government will introduce legislation to cut the provincial portion of the g- tax on gas and diesel in half by about eight cents a litre in response to calls for relief from fl- rising inflation. Well, my guest today on On Target is Finance Minister Siobhan Cody. Hello. So nice to hear your voice, and so lovely to have this nice weather. Indeed. So, what's the province doing now this afternoon?
0: Well, certainly in the House of Assembly, which opens uh, again at one thirty this afternoon, we'll be introducing legislation to uh, to reduce the provincial gas tax. As you know, we have uh, we have uh, as part of the effort to uh, reduce the cost of living and to control the cost of living we're certainly going to be reducing our provincial gas tax we're able to do this uh, as the Premier said after following discussions with the Prime Minister and uh, we will uh, the the challenge that we had previously why we didn't lower it previously was because of course there were some concerns around uh, backstop and uh, imposition of carbon tax on home heat oil so with agreement from the federal government we know that we can lower our gas tax it will be the lowest in the country next to Alberta. Uh, Alberta of course has eliminated their provincial gas tax and tied it to the price of uh, of a barrel of oil. But we've uh, lowered it to the lowest amount uh, in the country uh, next to uh, next to Alberta. Uh, and this is a te- you know a very targeted and temporary measure that we're using to help with the cost of living. We know people are really challenged at the pumps these days and, and, you know, putting gas in vehicles and, and in home heat and, 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 and so many other ways it's trickling through our economy, but this will take about eight cents off, uh, uh, per liter. And that'll, which includes HST. So that'll be a help at the pumps, but we've done other things, uh, as well, such as, uh, reducing a temporary lowering of the provincial tax on, um, on um, home heat, sorry, on the cost of insurance for your home, and that is for tenants as well. And we've also eliminated uh, or reduced by fifty percent the cost of registration fees uh, for passenger vehicles. So uh, there are a number of things that we've taken, number of steps uh, to help with the cost of living. About $222 million, so one of the most in the country, most steps that that have been taken in the country to help with the cost of living.
1: When can Newfoundlanders and Labradorians expect some relief? You're introducing this now in the next little while. Uh, When
0: can we start to see that uh, 8-cent break? Well, it depends on when it's passed in the House of Assembly. So uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be introduced in the House today. Likely debated in the next couple of days, and as soon as uh, as soon as that's debated and passed in the House of Assembly, we'll be advising the Public Utilities Board to uh, to lower that by uh, to, to lower the price of uh, of gasoline by that amount. So I'm hopeful that uh, sometime later this week, maybe by Wednesday, we'll be able to have that lowered and uh, help people. Address the cost of living but of course, as you know uh, price of of oil and the price of uh, price of fuel has uh, is a global challenge right now we because of the war in the ukraine because of the challenges that are coming out of the pandemic and and the uh, supply issues um, due to same this is a global problem this is not just Newfoundland and labrador this is a global problem and we're seeing it we're seeing it not just in in Newfoundland and Labrador, but across the country and around the world.
1: So this is a temporary measure. There is an end date.
0: Yes, there is. We'll continue to monitor what's happening. Um, around the world and in Newfoundland and Labrador. It is a temporary lowering of that provincial gas tax just to see if if the price of gas remains as high as it is today. So we have to have an end date, and right now the end date is January 1st of 2023. We'll we'll do some analysis and look at at how Newfoundland and Labrador is faring in the fall to see if that can change, Um, but right now it ends in January 1st of 2023.
1: What kind of an impact will that have on the province's
0: revenue? Well, we have introduced measures to lower the the cost of uh, lower the cost of living in budget 2022-2023 that was valued at approximately 142 million dollars. Now that's exactly almost uh, what we collect in provincial gas tax we collect about 141.6 million and we put in measures as i said in in the in the budget that was valued at 142 these new measures so that's 142 million and these new measures are about uh, 75 million so it is it is uh, goes beyond what we're collecting in provincial gas tax it goes beyond even what we're collecting in in some of the other taxation areas like HST, um, but we think it's important for the people of the province. And as I said earlier, it's valued at 222 million dollars. It's a lot of money uh, out of uh, out of the provincial government that we could, you know, we we could have spent in other areas. But we think the people of the province are uh, are struggling right now, and we know it's very impactful and very difficult for people. So that's why we've chosen to to uh, make sure that we lower that. That cost of living. Um we are still borrowing I I will say in the budget of 2223 that is uh, that is winding its way through the house right now, we have a deficit of $351 million. So, you know, it, it is, we, we do have to be very careful in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador to make sure that we don't overspend and that we have the monies available, that we have to invest in health care and education and safety and all the other areas that are important to Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. But we think right now it's, you know, there's a lot of stress on people because of the, you know, high oil prices and because of... Uh, supply shortages, it is driving up the cost of living.
1: You mentioned that backstop, and I know that was a, a concern initially when there were calls to do something to help people out here. But until now, the Premier had indicated there was little the province could do to adjust
0: taxes on fuel pr- prices. So what exactly changed? So when when the country of Canada was going to introduce a carbon tax, Um, There was an opportunity to negotiate with the federal government around the imposition of that carbon tax. And we made made a Newfoundland and Labrador um, proposal that basically said that there would be no carbon tax applied on home heat. There would be no carbon tax applied to fisheries and forestries and agriculture and exploration offshore. So we made a a carve-out of these particular areas um, that the imposition of carbon tax would not apply. So, in order to in in order to not have that backstop, so we had that agreement that made sure that those carbon tax was not applied to those areas. And if we lowered our gas tax, the federal government could come in, and that agreement would be null and void, and they could apply carbon tax. But through discussions with the federal government and most recently when the prime minister was here, as you know, the premier and the prime minister had had discussions and discussions with other, other members of cabinet to say the cost of living is, is really uh, impactful. It is difficult on people. There's a lot of stress. So the premier feels very confident that uh, that backstop would not apply. And, you know, having that assurance, we could go ahead and lower our gas tax at this point in time.
1: You also mentioned last week, of course, you announced this uh, one-time subsidy for people who heat their homes with oil. What more can you tell us about that?
0: Well, it's going to be a one-time payment to supplement uh, the cost of furnace oil used for home heating. It'll come in the fall of 2022. It's going to be income tested. So it's going to be based on family net income. And so households, for example, with a family income of under $100,000 – will receive a one-time payment of $500 to help them with their home with their oil heat. If you're in a household that earns between $100 and $150,000, you're going to get a partial payment of somewhere between the $500 and $200. So the least you'll get is $200. If, if for example, you are you have a family net income of $150,000, this is going to be application-based, and in the coming weeks we'll we'll um, let people of the province know how to fill it, how to how to fill out that application. It's going to be a very simple application process, you can do it by phone or, or by computer, likely, and, um, and then it will be income tested. And then sometime in the fall, likely around the end of September, early October, you'll receive this one-time uh, assistance. So it'll just help offset some of that, you know, incredible cost of the cost of furnace oil uh, for home heating.
1: And are, are, will there be any initiatives maybe in the, in the future to help people get off oil?
0: There are in the budget of 22-23, we did introduce an initiative that is a payment of uh, up to five thousand dollars for those that wish to transition from oil to electricity. So there that there is that incentive now available for the people of the province that wish to transition, and that can be you know depending on on your income levels, depending on on uh, the federal government applications as well, that can be stacked. So there's up to fifteen. 15- $15,000. There's a couple of incentives through the federal government and then there's the provincial government incentives. So it's stacked together and it's about $15,000. So it is a, a really good assistance for those that wish to move from oil heat to electricity.
1: My guest today on On Target is Finance Minister Siobhan Cody, and we started the show talking about interest rates, and I want to talk to you a little bit about that when we come back right after the break. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. And we're back. My guest today on On Target is Finance Minister Siobhan Cody. And Siobhan, all the headlines everywhere now saying the Bank of Canada expected to increase its benchmark interest rate on Wednesday. Does that have an impact on the provincial government and its borrowing costs?
0: It certainly does. Um, We will go to the markets this year for about $2.7 billion dollars. Required to borrow on behalf of the government of Newfoundland and Labrador, and as interest rates climb, of course, the cost of borrowing goes up as well. So right now, in Newfoundland and Labrador, in this year's budget, we budgeted a billion—that's with a (laughs) B—dollars that is required to uh, help with the payments uh, of our on our on our. Cost of borrowing. So, you know, the more the cost of borrowing, of course, the more impactful that will have on our budgets. But we're doing an awful lot within the uh, within the Department of Finance, within government, to lower our cost of borrowing. And thankfully, that we're really working on that responsible financial management. You know, doing things like working on um, uh, the balanced budget legislation. We have made adjustments and changes and modernizations and transformations in government to help uh, lower lower expenditures and, and really modernize the way government's being done. We've uh, we've really uh, put some additional monies towards the Auditor General and, and strengthen the Auditor General's office, for example. These are all part of our responsible financial management. And as well, we're, we, we've got a full strategic plan on responsible debt management. And all of these things are designed to Lower our cost of borrowing, but with interest rates uh, rising now, um, that's going to be more important than ever. So,
1: 1.5% on $1 billion, what's that come to?
0: Well, it depends on, but see, we, we, we borrow in different tranches, so sometimes we borrow at you know 60, 90 days. Sometimes we borrow at uh, five year ten year thirty year intervals, so it really does depend on where where we are uh, in terms of our borrowing cycle, so we don 't put all of our money in long term or short term so that we can take advantage of of interest rate changes as as required. but you know that it is a tremendous impact on our on our overall budget. I can tell you that uh, you know, uh, in the um, 30-year range, we're now borrowing at over three, well over 3%, um, and uh, that is, that is uh, a lot more than what we, what we could get last year. So how
1: do you account for these interest rate changes and the fluctuating price of fuel and all that in the budgetary
0: process? Well, we had indications. I mean, that that is all about our forecasting. Um, we had indications that the price of, uh, of interest rates would be going up and that the price of the cost of borrowing would be going up, and therefore we budgeted accordingly. So that's why you see, you know, a billion dollars, as I said, roughly a billion dollars uh, allocated for the cost of borrowing this year. Um, but we're putting in, you know, we have a, a really good strategic plan, I believe, for, you know, responsible financial management, responsible debt management that will help bring down that cost of borrowing. So even though we have upward pressure on interest rates uh, with some of the changes that we're doing with the way we're we're doing our borrowing and how we're doing our borrowing, we're hoping to lower that uh, that cost of debt. And it's going to be important for Newfoundland and Labrador. When you're spending a billion dollars, we have a nine a $9 billion budget, and when you're, spilled, when you're spending a billion of it on just paying for the cost of borrowing money, uh, you know you have to make sure that you're doing everything you can to lower lower your debt, lower your deficit, lower your cost of borrowing. And that's why, as I said, we, you know, we're, we're putting in, uh, we have legislation before the House on ensuring that we uh, control our deficit. We have legislation before the house on a future fund so that we can actually look towards paying down our debt
1: the cost of borrowing at one time was our number one expense if i'm not mistaken i think it might be number two now where does it stand now
0: it's, it could be number two or number three is generally. Health is always number one. Uh, and then it's a toss-up between education and, uh, and the cost of borrowing. So you can see it is a, has a tremendous impact on our, you know, our day-to-day budgets here in, in, uh, in government. Uh, not unlike the cost of fuel would have a major impact on, on, the, on the cost of your household, uh, your, your household budgets.
1: What's our current debt and deficit?
0: Our current debt is just over $17 billion, so tremendous impact on the people of the province, and our deficit is $351 million. Uh, which is lowering, which is an improvement. When I first became finance minister oh, about 18 months ago, we were at $1.8 billion in deficit, and we've been able to manage to, to lower that uh, to $351 million, and we have a, a five-year plan. In By 25, 26, uh, in that range, we're hoping to be uh, balanced budgets, and I think that's going to be important, because every year that we borrow you know, from a deficit, then we, you know, that goes on our debt. So a deficit is just that you spent more money than you took in in one year. So no, no, not unlike in your own households, if you spend more than you earn, uh, you're going to end up in the you know in the red uh, at the end of the year. That's what's happening in government right now. So we're really working hard to make our deficit, um, to eliminate our deficit, and then we're really going to focus on the debt. Because carrying $17 billion on uh, 500, 525000 people is a tremendous burden and that as I said that cost of borrowing really is impactful and we need to bring that down.
1: Your predecessor just a few short years ago uh, indicated that we were close to not making our payroll. Are we doing a better job of managing that now?
0: We are we are in that we have uh, better liquidity management. So at the time, it was really really hard to uh, to get money um, in the markets, and there was a liquidity crunch, meaning that there wasn't enough capital money in the uh, to 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 be able to um, to pay for some of the really important things that government needs to pay for. So we've uh, we've made some changes to how how much money we keep on hand and the liquidity of that money and how we invest that money so that it can be more. More what they call liquid available, um, so that we can, so that we don't have those kind of crunches uh, at you know at present. So we're in a, we're in a good cash cash position, and uh, we're in a you know in a in a good uh, in a better position from our deficit and uh, control controlling uh, our our finances and being very responsible is critically important to the people, of the province, and I take that responsible responsibility. Uh, um, uh, very uh, very much to heart because I think that's, uh, that's our future that we, we're looking at here.
1: The Bank of Canada interest rate hike that's coming now on Wednesday up to 1.5% is uh, the Bank of Canada's way of trying to cool down an overheated economy. How is Newfoundland and Labrador's economy performing overall?
0: Overall, we're doing we're doing very well. We're back to where we were, I would say, in 2019, in terms of employment, in terms of uh, you know even even our food services and, and drinking places, um, uh, you know that category of restaurants is uh, is up over uh, over last year and certainly back to where we were. I'm going to say in 2019. So that's we're we're very pleased to see those, you know the the economy being very strong, our retail sales are up um, about 11 percent, our home sales are up, our our motor vehicle sales are a bit down, but that's because they're they're not available uh, in the market. But our employment is steady and strong and growing, and our retail sales are steady and strong and growing, uh, and our restaurants, our food services are uh, steady and strong and growing. So I think we're seeing some uh, good indicators in our economy um, and I will say from a from the overall economy mining is doing very well uh, um, technology is doing very well our tourism industry I think is going to have a good year so overall there's strength in our economy I wouldn't say it's overheated uh, but uh, but you're seeing you're seeing some you're seeing some inflationary pressures across the country driven by supply uh, you know supply shortages and uh, and that's why the bank Canada is looking at how they can they can you know temper that uh, that those inflation rates uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador. Our inflation rates are driven by uh, you know really the fuel pricing that we're seeing, and that is because of supply issues and the and the war in the Ukraine.
1: Are there worries though that this um, interest rate hike will have a, a too much of a dampening effect, I suppose, on the economy here?
0: Well, it will have it will. It will moderate the economy, there's no doubt about that um you know when you see interest rate, h- rate hikes is people stop buying houses or stop you know stop buying some of the things they would have uh, they would have considered or buy less and so it will start to uh, to dampen the economy a little bit but uh, we're seeing strength in our overall economy that we hope will offset some of these these downward pressures but uh, overall i think that people understand that this is a global issue, and therefore, you know, the Bank of Canada is addressing some of these global concerns.
1: The last time we spoke, the Rothschild report had just been put before you on your desk. I don't even think you had a chance to look at it at that stage. Um, But by now, you've had a chance to look at it. I know there's not a lot of detail you can talk about, but I do want to touch on that when we come back after the break. My guest today on On Target is Finance Minister Siobhan Cody. We'll be back right after this. Join Brian Medore weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels. Newsmakers, weather and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. And we're back. My guest today on On Target is Finance Minister Siobhan Cody, and thanks very much for taking the time to uh, join us today. I know it's a busy day in the House of Assembly, for instance, but uh, the Rothschilds report, last time you and I spoke, uh, you had just received it. Um, There have been some questions as to why the information in that Rothschilds report and some of the recommendations can't be made public. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit.
0: Well, certainly, the Rothschild's report. You have to remember that this is the first time in our history, in Newfoundland and Labrador's history, we've done a thorough review of provincial assets, and I think that's very important that we actually look at what assets we have, how we're managing them. You know, are they better? You know, is it? Are there better ways of doing of doing, uh, of doing um, our assets, of of holding those assets? So it's a broad review of the business operations and financial conditions of those assets. So we really want to optimize the potential for the full benefit of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. So it was very important in my opinion, especially as we talk about responsible financial management, we talk about the cost of borrowing, we talk about debt, that we look at our assets and say, are they are they operating effectively? And are, we, are they giving us all the potential that they need to give us in order to manage those uh, the challenges that we have around our uh, around our finances and around our debt? So that's what Rothschilds did. They're you know globally a global company, and they they came in and they looked at, for example, things like we hold uh, equity offshore in our offshore oil um, our, our offshore oil industry. So we have equity in, for example, a number of our projects. Is that the right way to invest the people's money? Is that the right investment? Is it earning enough of a return? Or should we sell them and pay down our debt? So, you know, they, they did the analysis. Uh, they looked at all the, the numbers and the finances and gave us a recommendation. And so now is the time government now has that report. We have a team of, in, you know, internally going through that report and we'll be making some decisions. No decisions have been made at this point. There's not, you know, the review was not directed at anyone outcome. It was really to make sure we were fully maximizing those returns and it was the right investment for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. Um, The report itself, of course, would have very commercially sensitive information in it and we don't want to diminish any potential value that we might get. So I'll just go back to the, you know, we own equity. So we own a stake offshore Newfoundland and Labrador in some of the projects. If we were to go out and, and, you know, Put forward uh, the report from Rothschild's. That could that could diminish, diminish the potential value because you're telling somebody who might buy those assets how much you expect to get for them. So you wouldn't do that in your own home. Um, you, you know, if you were looking at your own home, if you were selling your house, and you did an evaluation of how much you expect to get, it, it you you wouldn't necessarily give that to someone who is making a bid on your home. And it's the same it's the same scenario here in government. So that report, you know, it would be irresponsible responsible for government to release that report we've made no decisions at this point whether or not we're going to do anything with any of the assets maybe the, maybe we maybe we won't do anything with the assets we have in the province and we stay status quo or we may decide that it is in the best interest of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians that we that we do uh, you know change some of the asset mix that we have but we're doing that thorough review I think it's a very important um, aspect of responsible financial management you do it in your own home and that's why we're doing it here in the, in, in government at this point in time so in the coming months we'll be able to uh, come back to the people of the provinces they uh, based on the information we have here's what we're trying here's what we'll do and uh, there will be a lot of discussion I'm sure when that one that, uh, that comes uh, that comes to pass.
1: Why go outside, though? I mean, no, this was the first time a review like this has been conducted. But why go outside? Would would you would there not be enough expertise within government itself and at a lower cost than five million dollars to to conduct this kind of review of, of assets?
0: we wanted someone with global experience so that who's looking at this uh, outside of the province of Newfoundland and Labrador indeed the country of Canada looking at this from a global perspective who trades globally and who uh, has a lot of expertise in, in 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 these assets around the world that can bring in um, you know the, the expertise around the world that is required uh, yes we have a lot of very smart people within government a lot of people with a, a depth of experience uh in 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 our in Newfoundland and Labrador, or in our, in our asset portfolio, but we wanted somebody external to that process because you know we wanted someone to have an outside and global look at this. Um, things that you may not see because you're, you're, you're seeing them every day. We wanted someone to uh, to have that, that overall analysis and look from a global perspective. And, of course, Rothschild brings that to the table. Uh, $5 million does seem like a lot of money, but you're talking about billions of dollars in assets. So, you know, from a percentage perspective, it would be rather low cost, you know, from a percentage perspective, but uh, it is a a very important process that we go through, and having that expertise will ensure that we maximize that potential, and that's so important. Uh, We want to get the most we can if we're going to do anything with these assets, or understanding the value of those assets as part of the responsible financial management that we're dealing with here in government.
1: One of the real worries, because one of the m- main government assets there, is NLC. It seems to be doing rather well. It's, it's uh, generating a fair bit of revenue there. H- how is NLC doing overall? What does it mean uh, to the overall uh, revenue brought in by government?
0: Newfoundland Labrador Liquor Corporation contributes greatly to the bottom line of government. It brings. It, I think this year it's over $200 million in terms of... Uh, in terms of money coming into government from the Newfoundland Labrador Liquor Corporation, and uh, that is a tremendous asset. It's where, you know it's well managed, well run, we've got great people working there. Um, it is a good organization and it does contribute a lot to the uh, bottom line of the province. Um, yes, it, you know it is an asset for the people of the province and has been reviewed by Rothschild and uh, we'll, we'll make some determinations. there's nothing determined at this point.
1: You mentioned maximizing the the potential, and that's the reason why uh, this uh, review was conducted. Uh, Marble Mountain, I'm noticing now, expanding its offerings, trying to extend those um, you know attractions there year round, which a lot of people have said, you know, is it's time to do that. Noticing they're doing that, is that as uh, potentially as a result of what was re- you know Rothschild's been
0: addressing here? Well, we. have brought in some new management, we have a great management team at uh, at Marble Mountain now they wanted to make sure that it was a year round resort great tourism potential i don 't know if you've been to Marble Mountain recently, but they're doing some really unique things around zip lines and i, I, I i've heard some of their plans are really um, it, it's exciting it's opportunity for you know biking and all kinds of great uh, great things in, on the west coast. It is a tremendous asset to the people of the province and we want to, um, I know that the management team there are looking at making it a year-round resort, so lots of other offer, offerings over there. And that'll only add to the asset itself, so that if you bring in if you, you know, if someone uh, were, were to uh, to uh, if it, when we put it out on the global markets and somebody wishes to come uh, run the Marble Mountain, they will have a year-round asset. So it's uh, it's. I think it's a great opportunity for tourism on the west coast of Newfoundland and Labrador or and marble mountains a a, a wonderful wonderful uh, uh resort area, so I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what transpires but again it adds value so that if if it is something that is uh and i I know that it's been put out on uh, tender before for for you know to attract interest of people who may be interested in in uh, running marble mountain uh when that goes out or if it goes out for tender again uh that having it a year-round resort will make it even that much more valuable and that much more important. Um, And uh, and we want to see it uh, grow and prosper. That's the, the whole idea here.
1: I always wanted to try that zip line
0: <laughs> <laughs> me too I haven't I haven't yet and I will
1: uh, friends of mine went out there last year and uh, they had a hoot anyway I'm hoping someday we'll, to make it out there and, and try that um, government also owns uh, quite a bit of um, real estate so to speak um, buildings and such uh, what about uh, that I know that you've been trying to move away from ownership of buildings or trying to get away from renting spaces you know those kinds of things how are you Balancing all that.
0: Well, we certainly we've certainly have done a good job in the last number of years of reducing the footprint of government. So moving around space and moving people back into uh, you know government-owned facilities, reducing our rental requirements because of course that all costs money. And again, as part of that financial management, reducing you know expenditures within government is so critical. And so we've been doing that uh, you know for the last I know five years um, bringing reducing our footprint of government we're still we're still working on that Uh, you know there's the the Department of uh, Transportation and Infrastructure is responsible for government uh, facilities and even the leaseholds that are required by government and they're doing a very uh, very good job of bringing um, the space of government more contained and so as we move forward with that there may be buildings that are available and uh, then they go to tender and I'll give you an example example, we've had some schools that have gone to tender, uh, and, and people have uh, bought those areas and rejuvenated them. I, I remember Bishop Field School, for example, uh, was was sold in the last couple of years, and now you've seen it refurbished into a, a seniors complex. You know, we've seen other areas uh, where, uh, you know, schools have been uh, Former schools have been purchased and uh, either repaired and renovated or removed, and new and 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 new vibrant uh, uh, homes have been built. I'm thinking here at central central part of Saint John's, but uh, you know it is important. I think for government to continue to shrink its footprint uh, and making sure that we're minimizing our costs. In government, minimizing them so that we're not uh, that we that we can make sure that our taxation rates and and anything that we need that we need to um, run government is, is done so effectively and efficiently, and not costing the people of the province too much money. So um, you know we're going to continue to do that and be responsible in what we're doing to make sure that we have strong financial management.
1: Speaking of the schools, though, there's potentially, and I I don't know, you'll be able to tell me, I'm sure, uh, there's a potential cost looming, uh, some of these former RC properties or RC properties that are now um, up for sale uh, due to that recent court decision in the courts. Um, Are any of those schools in jeopardy? And I I would imagine if they are, would government have a role there in, in purchasing them back?
0: Certainly, government needs those schools to operate. Um, we have, uh, on the good news front, we have a 1,000 more kids in school this year than we had. And that's the first time a growth in the number of young children in schools, so since 1972. So it's wonderful to have more kids in, in school, so we certainly need those schools. And, uh, and government is working, of, of course, uh, and the Department of Education is working to ensure that whatever needs to be done is being done. Uh, you know, according to uh, legal contracts and the, and the like. Um, but it is, uh, it, is, uh, it is something that the government is, is very focused on, obviously, in the Department of Education uh, and Advanced Education and making sure those schools are available because, uh, you know, education is, is kind of key. We want that stronger, smarter, self-sufficient, sustainable Newfoundland and Labrador, and one of the ways we get that is through education.
1: My guest today on On Target is Finance Minister Siobhan Cody. I want to talk to you a little bit more about the PERT report and some of the actions that government is taking there, as well as some of the, uh, I suppose, good news that might be happening in Newfoundland and Labrador. You'll be able to tell us more about that when we come back right after this. Weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather and more during your VOCM morning show. And we're back. My guest today on On Target is is Finance Minister Siobhan Cody. We were talking a little bit about the Rothschilds report, but the PERT report was the big one that was dropped last year with many recommendations. Where is government in, um, you know, going through all of that and and making actions there?
0: We went out, we received the Premier's economic recovery report, and uh, we have... Gone to the public to say to you know to kind of get their input and their review. So we did that all last summer. Um, some of the things in the PERT report you've seen s- sprinkled throughout uh, throughout some of the budgetary transformations that, that that I've talked about. For example, I believe in the PERT report they talked about one school board. They talked about one um, one health authority. Just to give you a couple of examples. So some of the transformations that we've done, we've we, you know we're we're in the midst of. Implementing um, the PERT report, like you know, it gave us some really good uh, you know, insight as to where we sat financially in the province and some of the things that we could do to address our debt and our deficit and modernize government. We also had, for example, the uh, the Health Accord that also looked at, at transforming our health our health systems and how we can improve uh, the provision of health in the province. So we, we're utilizing that information to to modernize and improve how health care is, is provided in the province. So, you know, having the, the premier's economic recovery team, having the information that, for example, the health accord has provided us gives us a good broad view of some of the ideas and suggestions of how to improve things in the province. And we're implementing those as as we move forward in, you know, getting to that stronger, smarter, self-sufficient, sustainable Newfoundland and Labrador. And, and you know, we, utilizing the, the, best, the best ideas and the best strength coming from those reports. And uh,
1: speaking of utilizing some of the best ideas, uh, you know, are, are you consulting with your staff and the unions to see where some efficiencies can be made?
0: Always. So we, you know, we we are constantly talking about to you know Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, either through you know formal consultations or through any time that we meet, uh, we meet with groups of people, stakeholders. You mentioned the unions. You mentioned, uh, you know, business groups or social groups, any of the groups, and I meet with them regularly, uh, getting their ideas and their and their direction as to how best to transform and and improve Newfoundland and Labrador as well. So yes, on an ongoing basis, we want it, we want to hear from people as to how they think um, they we can improve Newfoundland and Labrador. But the the big thing I will say, and I, I've said it a couple of times now, is all of us. Every one of us, no matter where we sit in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, we want Better. We want improvement. We want we want to make sure we have a stronger Newfoundland and Labrador, and that's what our goal is. And that's why you, you're seeing such um, such strength, you know, given to the health court, for example, of improving the way we we provide health in the province, of Newfoundland and Labrador. That's why you're you're seeing things like um, you know the financial management that I've talked about, the responsibility, and how we're how we're going about transforming, uh, you know, our, our the way we have. Um, the financial programs within the province the way we um, the way we provide service, how do we do better how do, it's a relentless pursuit of that and so um, you know every time I speak with someone anytime anyone uh, has a you know a discussion within government, we're looking at how to do that in a better and stronger way.
1: Well, a lot has been going on in the last number of years, COVID, of course, now we have this war in Ukraine that's uh, causing all these market pressures, rising interest rates. Are we in a better place now than we were previously? Or are there still some pretty big challenges ahead?
0: I'd say there are big challenges, but I do I do think there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of indication within our economy and within, our, within the people of the province that things are improving. So if I go back, you know, when I came into this position 18 months ago, we were $1.8 billion in deficit, meaning we had spent $1.8 billion more than we had taken in in that year. That was in 2020. And we were able to improve that last year. It was We were $826 million and we were able to get that down to 400 million, and now in this budget we're down to 351 million. So as we're moving through, our economy is strengthening. Uh, you're seeing things like, uh, you know, iron ore production is is up. We've made and we've new, newly converted the re- to a renewables refinery. and Come by chance, you've seen things like the Terra Nova project, for example, and our offshore that's gone for retrofit. That'll be back by the end of. 2020. 2022 you've heard some good news around Equinor and uh and the fact that they're that they are continuing to move forward and we're looking forward to decision gate uh- two, I think, in the fall. So things are improving. We're seeing improvements in our household income. We're seeing improvements, for example, in retail sales and in, you know increasing retail sales. You're seeing growth in, um, I mentioned mining already, but in, in various different aspects of mining. For example, exploration is one of the highest exploration uh, years that we've had to date. And we, we have a real gold rush going on in central Newfoundland. And the development Development of a, a new mine uh, in uh, central western Newfoundland. So things are looking strong in our economy, and technology is booming in the province. Uh, tourism. We're going to have a good, strong year in tourism, which I think is important. is such an important aspect. Uh, you know, tourism is so important to the province, uh, all over the province. And you're seeing, uh, you know, we're attracting an awful lot of people to Newfoundland and Labrador. You're seeing growth and development in the film industry. Look at last year when we had Disney uh, doing a movie in uh, in Bonavista. We've had, uh, we, we've, this year I think we had three television uh, uh, product productions underway in, in in Newfoundland and Labrador so you're seeing growth uh, throughout the economy, throughout the diversification of our economy, in mining, in oil and gas, in, uh, in technology, in film development, in tourism, all these areas are strengthened and, and stronger. Our employment levels are increasing. So I think overall we're, we're, we're stronger, um, better, uh, better than what we were previously, and we're going to continue to focus on that and continue to strengthen Newfoundland and Labrador. That's, that's, that's what we all want. Do you expect a fall fiscal update? Absolutely. We normally have a fall fiscal update sometime around October, November. We'll be able to tell the people of the province how we're doing financially, and uh, I think that's always important to you know the six-month mark to give an update. Um, And and to it's also important not just for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians important for for the province's bankers and for the bond rating agencies to hear how we're doing as well. But um, I'm I'm expecting a a good positive year, and I think some of the measures. that we've taken, on the cost of living will help people, and that's going to be important as well.
1: Siobhan Cody, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Always happy to speak to you. And we'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, everyone.